Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to another Larry Huck Ministries podcast. We pray this teaching will fill you with God's wisdom, anointing, and revelation knowledge. Thank you for your prayers and faithful support. Open your Bibles up to the book of Matthew, chapter 24, and we're going to talk about the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now, in, in reality, you know what? Let's skip 24 and just for the sake of time and go to 25. I was originally going to talk about the seventh millennium, the wedding supper of the Lamb, and what actually takes place during the wedding supper of the Lamb. But as I was putting my notes together, I realized for us to understand the wedding supper of the Lamb, how close we are to that, we first have to understand what a Hebrew engagement and wedding entails. If you guys could put up um, the timeline, Scott, and let's look at that again. Remember, every time we see the high holidays, the Bible says in Colossians, these are a shadow of what really is about to take place. Now, I want you to think about it. I want you to receive that because we're going to end up down here at the Sabbath millennium today. And I want you to understand the Sabbath millennium, we just ended Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles. So at the end, we just ended it a day before yesterday. At the end of the Feast of Tabernacles begins a great celebration, a great party where Satan is defeated. Now, someday that will happen for all of eternity. But I want you, I want you to receive that this is a new beginning for all of us. And we're about to enter in to a great celebration. How many like Satan to be defeated in every area of your life? So let's look at this. Let's look at this. And, and so we can understand where we are. The first coming of Jesus was on Passover. Or excuse me, when Jesus, not first coming. When Jesus died on the cross, this was Passover. Passover was a shadow Jesus dies on the cross, becomes our Passover lamb. It went from a shadow of something that would last a year till the next Passover. It went from the shadow to something that has lasted 2,000 years, and it'll last until the coming of the Messiah. Got it? Then 50 days later, Pentecost, we go into Shavuot. Shavuot celebrated the anointing of God, the power of God, the prosperity of God. It was a shadow. It was the real thing, but it was a shadow until the day of Pentecost had fully come when they were in one place, one mind, one accord. God released the power of the Holy Spirit. Now the power is not temporary. The power is eternal until the coming of the Messiah. If I was coming towards Pastor Lydia and my shadow hit her, that shadow is 
the same thing as my hand. It's just not quite there yet. Their shadow passed over everybody and healed them all. It's the same thing as laying on of hands. It's the same thing, only the laying on of hands is is the real thing. You got it? So after the day of Pentecost, then we get into, and this is the reason I've done this series, we get into the month of Elul, the 30 days of blowing the shofar. The 30 days of blowing the shofar is sound the alarm in Zion, blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm, wake up. What we're seeing in our streets, what we're seeing in our nation, what we're seeing worldwide. I mean, who would have ever thought that you would walk down the streets and everywhere you go, people are wearing masks? Who would have ever thought this would happen? Who would have ever thought that rioters would take over cities and the mayors and the governors of these democratic cities would sanction that? And burn down buildings and call it a block party. Who would have ever thought of that? I don't know if you saw the uh, the debate and uh, the 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 uh, Biden said if he becomes president, he's shutting down the whole country. He'll bankrupt us. He'll bankrupt the whole country. And by the way, they'll shut down the church. You'll you'll have to turn in sermons on what you're teaching. Before you can teach it. No, this, 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 who would have ever thought this would happen? But you've got to understand that what we're seeing with the virus, what we're seeing with the economy, what we're seeing with certain leaders uh, in government, this is the blowing of the shofar. These are the birth pangs. The reason why a woman has birth pangs is to say, get ready. Something that it will change your life forever is about to happen. How many know, How many of you ladies know once you have a baby, it ain't never the same. You know, I've been a pastor a long time and I've have heard, well, I'm not going to have a baby until I'm ready. You ain't never ready. You read every book you want. Go to every, you ain't never ready. That, that little thing will change your life forever. And trust me, when they turn 40, they don't go away. <laughs> They're still there. And they have more with them. <laughs> what we're seeing on the streets is... A wake-up call. And you know what's happening. Our our television program every year does better and better and better and better. It's exploded this year. I'm talking to Marcus Lamb, and he said, I was golfing with Marcus, and he said, he said, man, he said, it looks like your TV program is is doing really well. And I said, man, it is. You know, uh, people are standing up for Israel, standing with the nation of Israel, uh, uh, helping us uh, uh, do Aliyah and Holocaust. He goes, he said, they start, all of a sudden, our viewing has gone up. You know why? People are looking at what's happening, and it's the blowing of the shofar. It's the church world. The church world is saying, you know what? We've gotten pretty, we've gotten pretty lukewarm. You know, in the church world, they say you have to make an announcement 
six weeks in a row in order for 50% of your church to hear it. So most people stay home. Most people don't go to church. Now, it's a different era now because of the COVID and we have stream and our stream audience is, is huge. But what's happening is, is that with all of this craziness that is going on and the threat of it getting crazier, it's a wake-up call to those who are listening for the blowing of the shofar. And people are saying, you know what? Maybe, maybe we could better start serving God again. Amen. Amen. So you have the wake-up call. You have the birth pangs. 30 days, then you get into the uh, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is a, is a shadow of the rapture. The rapture will come not as a surprise to us who are paying attention. For us who are paying attention to the birth pangs, for us who are hearing the blowing of the shofar, for us who are saying, you know what? I, I better start getting serious about serving God again. I, I, you know, I've, I've gotten pretty lukewarm. You know, the Bible says one of the signs of the coming of the Messiah is a great falling away. And that's not people necessarily leaving church. It's people falling away from the word of God. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Going into a chicken coop doesn't make you a chicken. Unless there's feathers and eggs, you ain't one. And this is a wake-up call that says the church better start clucking. I'm serious. Right? It's a wake-up call. Oh, I'm a Christian. I've been serving the Lord. Really, how are you serving the Lord? Well, I believe. That's not serving. You're going to see something here in a minute. Half the church won't make the rapture. Half the church won't make the rapture. So it's a wake-up call. What we're seeing, and, and by the way, Vote your faith. Because I believe this next election is going to determine a a whole lot of stuff. Vote your faith. Vote your faith. Vote your faith. So then we have the rapture. After the rapture, there there is a seven-year tribulation period. You understand that. The Antichrist, the mark of the beast, you can't buy or sell. You can't go into Kroger. You can't go into Lowe's. You can't buy gasoline unless you prove that I, I, I'm just guessing, but it's a wake-up call of how this could happen. Let's say the coronavirus, they come up with a vaccine, and then next year there's another surge of it. So they're going to say, you don't have to take the vaccine, but if you do, we'll give you a card or we'll give you something on your phone that, that says, I've, got the, I've been vaccinated. And if you don't have the vaccination, then you can't go in and get your food. You can't go in and get your stuff. You can't. I don't know if it's going to happen exactly that way, but wake up. They're already talking about it. Right? So after the seven years, the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, then we get into uh, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the second coming. 
The rapture is not the second coming. The rapture is us going up. The second coming is Jesus with the army coming down. And by the way, let me just throw this in. Let me throw this in. If you don't make the rapture, if you don't make the rapture, you're probably going to have to die for your faith. And, and I'm, I'm just going to say it the way it is. If you can't live for him now, I really doubt if you've got the, to die for him later. So the smart thing to do is what? Live for him now. That's, duh. Right? Because if you, if, in this period, you're going to have to decide whether you'll eat, your family will eat, you'll have heat, you'll have, have clothing, you'll have housing, because you'll have to take the mark of the beast or die. During this time, one quarter, everybody's talking about, you know, and it's terrible. If one person died from coronavirus, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing. But one quarter of the world's population will, be, will die during this tribulation. So you don't want to miss the rapture, right? It's a wake-up call. What we're seeing in the world, worldwide, guys, worldwide, it's a wake-up call. Get God back on the throne. You know, we're, 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 so, we're so concerned about the Ten Commandments leaving our schools. The Ten Commandments has left the church. Right? There are big preachers saying, no, it's all by grace. Woman, where are your accusers? None here, the grace of God. Neither do I accuse you. Just go live any way you want to. Go and sin no more. Lest something worse comes on you. Worse than she was about to be stoned to death. And this is a wake-up call. Amen? So then the rapture, then the second coming, and at the second coming, then comes the Sabbath millennium. Now let me share again that if you take numbers and, and, and nobody, 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 nobody knows when the Messiah will return. But if you take numbers, then it says we're about, perhaps, if, if, if scholars are right and, and rabbis are right and archaeologists are right, then we're about six years away from the seventh millennium. The seventh millennium is the seventh day. One day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. It's the day of rest. It's the day that in Judaism, the Sabbath symbolizes heaven. This is not heaven yet. Satan is bound. He's thrown into the pit. Um, The enemy is defeated. And after the end of the thousand years, Satan is now released again. And people will still make a choice to serve God or serve the devil. And if you serve the devil, you lose. After that, then comes eternity. So in this period, and I'm going to share this all with you next week, in this period is what's called the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's the Feast of Tabernacles. But before we get in, and and let me say this. Don't miss next week. Do not miss next week.
because I'm going to share something with you that'll blow your mind. I sat, I, I, I studied this, I read this, I looked at this, and I came out after hours and I showed this to Tiz, and she goes, Are you sure? And I said, Look, and she goes, Oh my gosh. We've been lied to. And I, I said, I, so I had all the guys in the back. I'm not going to tell you what it is today. This sets you up for this. I showed all the guys in the back and they're going, oh my gosh. And, 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 and they're going, are you sure? I said, look it up. There it is. This is end time revelation. And you're going to hear it first tomorrow or next Sunday. So don't miss it because we're not going to have anybody on stream. No, we are. We are. We are. All right, look, read with me. Let's talk about, before we talk about the wedding supper of the Lamb, let's talk about the wedding. Read with me in Matthew chapter 25, starting with verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Now look at me right now. All of them are virgins. All of them are virgins. When a, when in a Jewish wedding, when a woman becomes engaged and she's preparing for her marriage ceremony, she goes into a mikvah, the womb of the world. And she comes out of that mikvah and she is born again. That's what it's called in Hebrew. How can a man be born again? Does he enter a second time to his mother's womb? Nicodemus, you should know this. You're a leader of the Jews. There is the physical birth and there's the spiritual birth. So when you go into a mikvah, and that's why we do it every year. Some some do it every day. When you go in, it is a everything from your past is, is, is gone and you are born again. You are a virgin. Right? So... He says here, there are 10 virgins. If I can explain it this way, there are 10 who have believed Jesus to be their Messiah. All of them are are virgins. But five of the, let let me just say this way. Let, Let me put the word Christian. There are 10 Christians, but five of them are foolish and five of them are wise. So every one of us who has received Christ as Savior would be one of the virgins. The question is, are you a wise virgin or a stupid virgin? I didn't say it. I didn't still look at me. You're judging me. I didn't say it. All right. So read this. Now, five of them were wise and five of them were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps And took no oil with them. Oil representing the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So the vessel is, I've received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The oil is, I'm serving God. That's that's what it is. So... The five wise said, yeah, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Now I'm serving the Lord. The foolish said, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I'm not really serving him. Good night, everybody. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Now, why am I teaching this? 
Because the shofar's been blowing since January. And God is saying, wake up, something's about to change. If it's the rapture, you don't want to miss it. If it's not the rapture and it's the outpouring of God's spirit, you, you want to be a part of that. Amen? All right. But the wives took uh, oil in their vessels and their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Derek, would you do me a favor? Run into my office, please, sir, and get me one of my small oil lamps from, uh, from the time of Jesus. But the bridegroom was delayed. They all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish one, now that word trimmed actually is a, is a Hebrew word that it, it's more powerful. It means, um, uh, in English, um, to put in order. They heard the blowing of the shofar. They saw the COVID. They saw the streets. They saw the birth pangs. And they put their, their lives in order. And, the, you know, and that's why God does that. Let's say we're messing up. Let's say we've backslid. Let's say we've gotten lukewarm. God loves us so much. He goes, hey, 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 I'm about to come. Because he doesn't want us to miss it. So they put their lives in order. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. Don't leave us here. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. You know neither the day nor the hour. Where am I? Watch, therefore, you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So you have your salvation. That makes you a virgin. An oil lamp in the time of Jesus is something very small. And so you have the vessel, you have the oil, and then you have a wick that hangs out of that. This will burn up in a very short period of time. So God is saying, make sure your vessel doesn't empty. Because the time will come when you'll hear the blowing of the shofar, and I'm about to teach this. You'll hear the servant say, the bridegroom cometh. 
And you've got to run out, and he usually comes at midnight. And I'll show you that. That's, that's the tradition of a Jewish wedding, coming to get his bride at midnight. And so you run out, and you light your wick. And when the bridegroom sees your vessel, your, your salvation glowing, he knows that you've been waiting for him. But the five foolish came out and said, you know, I, I, I'm saved, but, but I, you know, I haven't been serving God. And, 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 I, and I, got no, I got no oil. Give me some of yours. And they said, no. You have to have your own. That's why the scripture says there'll be two in bed. One will be taken up. One. Now, now you understand that that's, a, that's an analogy. I had some folks come to me, and they were having years and years ago in another city, and they were having bad marriage problems. And I said, well, what's the problem? And the husband says, she won't sleep in the same bed with me. And I said, what? And she goes, the scriptures, Pastor. Two will be in bed, one will take and one I go. That was the easiest marriage session I ever had in 45 years of ministry. No, no, that's not what it means. It means that you, you don't get to go just because your wife goes or your husband goes or your mom and dad go. You have to have your own vessel full, right? All right, so in understanding this, which leads us to this revelation next week, let's look at a couple things. The first thing is, if the bridegroom came right now, if the Messiah came right now, would you be ready? Is your oil full? Now, it doesn't mean that we're, 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 we never make a mistake. Or we never, you know, you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off and you, you think, whoa, that's what a wonderful person that is. <laughs> As I was talking about, it means you're serving God. It means you go to church, you serve God, you, you read your Bible, you pray, you teach your children to serve God. That's having your oil filled. It's not, well, I go, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm kind of, you know, here, here's the best way to put it. I heard this years ago. If you were arrested right now for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If they arrested you and they brought your neighbors in for witnesses, said, this man, this woman is accused of being a Christian. And your neighbors go, news to me. (laughs) Probably not going to make it. Why am I saying this? Wake up call. Wake up call. So first thing is, if 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 the Messiah came, would you be ready? Secondly... In Hebrew, there's no word for bride or bridegroom. In, the, in Hebrew, there's no word for bride or bridegroom. Because when you get married, it's not a man marrying a woman, a woman marrying a man. It's a family marrying another family. So when, when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are entering into a family relationship. My family, my kids, my grandkids, my wife... My children, our, our family becomes a part of God's family. We are together. Secondly, and i got to go through this real quick. Secondly, in Hebrew weddings, marriages were arranged. 
In the time of Jesus, marriages were arranged. Now, I still believe concerning my grandchildren and my, grand, my, my grandsons and my granddaughters, that's a good idea. <laughs> so you had, you had uh, someone in, a, in another village, and you were in a village 30 miles away. You send someone to talk to the individual person to arrange a marriage between their daughter and their son. Now, this is exactly what happens with us with Jesus. In John 15, it says, No man calls Jesus Lord unless the Spirit draws them. You weren't walking down the road one day and said, You know what? I believe I'll accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. No, you didn't. The Holy Spirit set that up. It's an arranged marriage. Now, the amazing thing is, and when we hear of arranged marriages, we think, well, the woman is forced to marry the man. It's not true. If you read about Abraham and Isaac and Abraham sending his, his, uh, uh, his uh, servant to set up a, a wedding for Isaac, he finds the woman and he says, are you willing to marry her. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's an arranged marriage. i be honest with you, when I got saved, I wasn't looking for Jesus. Jesus was looking for me. But I'm the one who had to say yes. I will join into this relationship. That's up to us. The Holy Spirit will bring circumstances and situations, and he'll arrange the marriage, but it's up to each and every one of us to say whether or not we do that. The second thing is that if she agrees to become married to this man, then in Hebrew, a, um, a uh, mohar is paid for her. It's a price that is paid for this woman. And not that this really relates to us, but the reason is, is let's say this woman is in this family, there's, there's four or five kids. Well, all of those children, they bring, bring finances into that household. They cook, they clean, they work or whatever. And so now this guy's coming and he's taking someone that's been helping that family away. And so in order to compensate that family, this family pays the wife's family a mohar. And until that mohar, until that price is paid, then it's not official. That's why the Lord says our life is not our own. It's been bought with a price. This is a Hebrew wedding. The whole thing between us and Jesus is, is understood in Hebrew. Then... The, let me explain it this way for sake of time. When you get engaged to a woman, she is now your wife. Now in, in our society, and that's why before we do the wedding supper, I want you to see this in our society, you get engaged to someone. She's not your wife. You're just engaged. But in the time of Jesus, when you got engaged, she now is your Isha. She's your wife. Now, the ceremony is going to take place down the line. But there is a legal contract 
once the engagement takes place that says she is no longer available and that these two, even though they're not together yet, these two are legally bound to each other. When Jesus died on the cross, the last thing he said was what? All right, now listen to this. Even though the bride has never seen the bridegroom, she's not even seen him yet. She, she, she may know who he is and know about him and know his family because it's not a big country, but she hasn't seen him yet. Listen to what God says in 1 Peter 1, 8. Having not yet seen him, we love him. Though now you don't see him, you believe and you rejoice. So here she comes and she says, yes, I'll, I'll do this, never, not having ever seen him. But she believes that he's a good guy. He's going to take care of her. And I'll explain this. He's going to feed her. He's going to clothe her. He's going to protect her. He's going to shelter her. And that's exactly what we've not yet seen Jesus, but we believe. Amen. Now watch this. Now, after this takes place, the angel, the servant comes and says, it's all arranged. It's, it's been taken care of. So now the son leaves his village and he comes and meets her for the first time. When he comes and meets her, he gives her, how many have ever seen pictures of the people, that, women back in the time of Abraham, time of Jesus, and they have this, this necklace, or not necklace, but the, the 10 coins, a headband. Okay, that's where we got the giving of the ring. Okay, they didn't give rings in those days. They gave 10 coins that were in a, made into a headband. And she wore these everywhere she went. And she is saying, I am taken. Remember the story in the Bible where the woman loses one coin? Remember the woman loses one coin? And the Bible says she, she tears her house apart looking for this one coin. And then she finds the one coin, calls all of her neighbors in and they celebrate. Now, you know, I mean, you know, if, if I lost a dollar, I'd look for it too. But I don't think I'd call my neighbors in. That coin represents her faithfulness. That she's not spending this. She's not wasting this. She's not treating it lightly. How many people treat their relationship with Jesus lightly? How many people don't understand the price that's been paid for us? Even though we haven't met him yet, we still love him. And then we begin to treat shabbily our relationship. So the husband, the, the, the husband-to-be comes and gives her these, these ten coins, which represents the ten sephirot, the ten powers of God, the ten blessings of God on us, the ten blessings of a husband to a wife. And when he pays this price, this is the, this is the ceiling of it. It's a, it's a, it's a very special 
Um, it's a very special contract that actually is written up. But he has to pay this price in front of witnesses. He has to give it in front of her family, the neighbors, strangers that are around. He does it publicly. And when he pays this price, and it's in Hebrew, it's called the tanim. And the, the word tanim is not just a price paid, but the word tanim in this case has a little yod in it. And the little yod means what? The presence of God. So this is, when we get married, we, we say, till death do us part, so help me God, or however we say that now. That's where this came from, but they really meant it. That's where the, the little yod comes in. When you put a ring on her finger, she puts a ring in your nose. You, there's, a little, there's a little yod right there. That means God's involved with this. I have to lighten it up a little bit once in a while. God's involved with this. So when he gives her these 10 coins, representing the 10 protections of him, representing the 10 presence of God on her, then... When everybody sees it, interestingly, he shouts, it's finished. The price has been paid in full. It is finished. So now they are legally bonded together that no man can separate. But they can't yet be together. He has to go fulfill a promise. The bridegroom looks at the bridegroom to be, he is the bridegroom now, looks at his wife, his Isha, and he says, I'm coming back for you. When we go to Israel, I like to have the bus pick everybody up at Ben Gurion Airport and go to uh, the Sea of Galilee and Tiberius. And I love to point out to the folks on the buses, I said, see that house up there? And you'll see a big house on a hill, or you'll see a house on a hill, and then and that house looks like it's 30, 40, 50 years old, and then you see a, a wing added to it that looks like it's maybe 10 or 20 years old, and then you'll see another wing on it that looks like maybe it's four or five years old, and you might see one that's being added to it. That's because... Still today, in some traditions among Jews and Arabs, you have your father's house. When you get married, you don't leave. You go to your father's house and prepare a place. That's what a, a, a husband would say to a wife. I'm not, I'm not, it's not finished yet. I'm going to my father's house and prepare a place for you. That's what Jesus said to us. That's, that's the first coming. That's when he was caught up. And as he's leaving, the bride, and this literally is the way it happened. The bride then would say, when are you returning? Remember in the book of Acts, chapter 1, the disciples said to Jesus, what will be the signs of your coming? He's already there, so he's got to go. He goes to his father's house. He's coming back. What will be the signs? What did Jesus say? It's not in my hands. Only the Father knows. 
And that's exactly the way a Jewish or an Arab wedding would take place. I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place for you. When are you coming back? I don't know. It's up to my father. And so he leaves and she is not obligated to be with him until he builds her a place to live. That's the deal. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to my father's house. But even while I'm gone, I'm going to make sure you're taken care of. You'll want for nothing. Just stay faithful. Oh, come on, somebody. Stay faithful. Because while he's over in the other village, the father who decides when who decides when the marriage will take place, the father has spies watching the woman. Paid informants. Have you seen, uh, have you seen uh, Susie lately? Yeah. Did you walk by her house? Yeah. Were, there, were her oil lamps full? Yeah, they're full. She got the... the the ten, she got all ten, ten coins. Yeah, she uh, she messing around with anybody else. That's the Holy Spirit. It's the way it happens, guys. And so finally, and it has to be at least a year. You 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 you, you can't say I've been faithfully serving God for three days now. That's not faithful. Tiz and I have been married. How long has it been now? 42 years this year? I've been faithful 30. (laughs) I've been faithful the whole time. I've been born again 43 or 44 years. I've been faithful the whole time. Amen? Why? Why? Can I tell you something? The day I got saved, they started talking about the coming of the Lord. I didn't want to miss it. But now I understand how close we are. All right. So when are you coming back? He said, I don't know. Jesus didn't know. Only my father. Let me read it to you real quick. But on that day, on the hour, no man knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning. And what I say to you, I say to you all, watch. Watch. So the bridegroom leaves. He's gone at least a year. I have 10 minutes. He's gone at least a year. The bride is being watched. The the angels or the Holy Spirit is reporting back to the Father. And she must remain faithful and ready. So she must remain faithful, servant, being with no one else, not, not being with anybody else must remain faithful and ready for him to come. And the bridegroom, listen to this. This is out of a wedding, Jewish wedding book. A bridegroom usually comes at nighttime, usually around midnight. Why midnight? 
It's the middle of the night. Most people are sleeping. But when the Father says it's time, then, and that's why Jesus said, said of Jesus, he'll come as a thief in the night. When the bridegroom, the father of the bridegroom says, all right, now is the time. The servant stands over or near the woman's house and midnight blows the shofar. <laughs> Sounds the trumpet. And as he blows the shofar, he shouts these words, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Now, let me say again, and, and, I'm, and you know, I know I, 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 could, I could preach this, but I don't want to preach it. I want to teach it. What we've been seeing, can you put my timeline up? What we've been seeing with COVID, what we've been seeing with the riding on the streets, I don't know if the bridegroom's coming right now, but what we're seeing is the wake-up call of God saying, I love you so much, I don't want you to miss what's about to happen. Listen, I, I'm going to prophesy to you. The next four years is going to be life-changing. Good or bad, it's going to be life-changing. For us who are hearing the, blow, the blowing of the shofar, us who are saying, you know what? I need to wake up. I need to get back to serving God. I need to pay my tithes. I need to make sure widows and orphans are taken care of. I need to open my Bible up once in a while, not just when the preacher comes over and the dust goes flying. I need to read the Word of God. I need to wake up because it's at midnight when the blowing of the shofar takes place. Listen to this, 1 Thessalonians 4. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God. Matthew 25, 6. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out and meet him. And so here the bride is just going through her normal night. She's asleep. We're going through life. And all of a sudden, we got riding on the street. All of a sudden, the world is full of COVID-19. All of a sudden, the economic uh, 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 prosperity of our nation world is on the verge of either collapsing or exploding. This is the wake-up call. And when the, the bride would hear the blowing of the shofar and she would hear the shout the bridegroom cometh she would jump up and run out and grab her lamp and light it because the light was a sign if the husband saw no light burning he said she's not faithful and he would go back home there were five who went and said oh, I, I wasn't taking care of business and their lamp was, they still had a vessel. There'll be a lot of Christians going through this because the rapture is the judgment on us. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. Come on, somebody. So I'm, I'm going to go to another church that doesn't teach that. I know. I know. She would hear the blowing of the shofar. Everything we're seeing in the world right now. Who would ever think our world would be like that? And it happened like that. It happened. It wasn't like, oh, this has happened over the last 10 years. No, it happened just like that. 
And now we got people running for government and say, we're going to shut the church down. We want God. We don't want God. We don't want the Ten Commandments just out of the schools. We don't want to stop public. It's amazing that they stopped Christians from praying publicly. But in Michigan, they allow Islam to pray over a loudspeaker five times a day. Wake up. Stand up. Be counted. She runs out and she lights her lamp. Now watch this. I've got six minutes to close this. She runs out. She lights her lamp. Five wise, five foolish. Matthew 23. For I say unto you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When the woman would run out, she would hear the shofar. This is the way it worked. This is really the way it worked. That's why, that's why we can't understand the Bible unless we read it through the eyes of a Jewish Jesus. Yeah, I mean, he's talking to guys that totally understand this. She would hear the shofar. She would feel the birth pang. She would see the COVID and the rioting on the streets. Do you want that in your neighborhood? Rioting on the streets, burning down buildings, killing people. She would run out. Lighter lamps say, I'm ready. Five of them said, can, can we have some of your oil? No. I can't give you my oil. You know, that's a strange, that's a strange uh, uh, scripture, but the reality of it is, is I can't serve God for you. I can't, your husband, your wife can't serve God for you. And then before she sees it, she shouts these words, blessed is he, so he can hear, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's exactly the words that Jesus said we would say. Let me close with this. Then the Lord would cover her, or the bridegroom would grab her, bring her to his house. And the hoopah would be set up. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. The hoopah would be set up. The Feast of Tabernacles would last seven days. We just ended. The last day is the great day. You're going to see next week that the party begins right now. The end of the party isn't for seven more days. One day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. But the party, it may be a shadow, but the party begins right now for everyone who's invited to the wedding supper. Stand with me all over the building. Grab your Bibles, and I want to show you something. Go with me to the book of Revelation. Chapter 19. Now, we're going to get into this in great detail next week. Don't miss next week. Do not miss next week. Because I'm going to, the Lord willing, I'm going to teach something that will open the eyes of Christianity. Do you have Revelation 19? Do you have it? Go with me to verse 7. 
Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Now look at verse 9. Then he said to me, write. Now look at me right, just look at me. I was studying this and I found a teaching on Spurgeon. Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers in the history of the world. And he said, think about this. The angel of God has been speaking to John, the book of Revelations. He's been talking a long time. We're already to 19. And after he's been giving the book of Revelations, the angel stops and says, John, write this down. He didn't tell him to write anything else down. What I'm about to tell you, write this down. Because I don't want you winging this. I don't want you to be close on this. This is so important. I want you to write this down. Now watch what he says. Then he said to me, write. Blessed are those who were invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Now let me prepare you for next week. We just saw the whole thing preparing for the wedding supper, right? The engagement, the price has been paid, it's finished. The vessels are full of oil, we're ready to go. The teaching that Jesus gave on the wedding supper was, the kingdom of heaven is like this. It's like this. There was a king who prepared a wedding for his son. Right? Who's the king? It's all right, you know it, say it. The father, God, the heavenly father. Who's the son? Who's the lamb? Jesus. But then he says something here. He said, there is the bride and there are those who are invited to the wedding. The father's the king. The son is the lamb. The wedding supper of the lamb. Anybody here getting married soon? Anybody here getting married soon? Anybody just get married? You got married yesterday? Your daughter got married. Okay, so in preparing for that, did you invite people to come? Yeah? So inviting people to come, did you invite your daughter to come? No. If you're getting married, you're going to send out invitations. Does the bride and the groom get an invitation? No, because they are the wedding. But blessed are, write this down. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding. You have the Father, who's the King. You have Jesus, the Messiah, the Lamb. But then you have two other parties. 
You have the bride and those who are invited. Who's the bride and who's the invited guest? You'll find that out next week. So many times we squeeze those together. Blessed are those who are invited to the, and I'm the bride of Christ, and I'm the guest. Are you the guest or are you the bride? The truth you know will set you free. It's a revelation you don't want to miss. But, you know, as we close, and I'm, I'm already one minute over, I went to an orthodox teaching. And I said, what's involved with an engagement? And the engagement in a Jewish wedding is, is let's say, let's say a husband, and a, a, a man and a woman get engaged. At that time of the engagement, at the, at the time of the engagement, they leave the family to take care of the flowers, the food, the plates, the sending out of the invitations. That engagement period is a time that the man and the woman prepare themselves spiritually where those two will become one. They're not to worry about the details. They're to seek God. They're to call upon the Lord. And they'll, they're, they're to... What they do during this engagement period will determine what happens once the wedding takes place. We're somewhere close to the wedding taking place. God wants to make sure you and I are spiritually prepared for what's about to take place. So I'd like to have every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, just for a moment. We're not bringing anybody forward. And you're here and you'd say, Pastor Larry, I have to admit that perhaps my vessel has run a little dry. And God's brought you here or you're watching right now so that he can wake you up. So that before the trumpet sounds for the last time, before the, the, the angel shouts, get ready, the Messiah comes. Before that happens, you can say, my vessel is full. That's the reason for the month of Elul. That's the reason for the birth pangs. That's the reason I believe God is allowing us to see what the world would be like just with a little taste without the presence of God here. So as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. You're here and say, Pastor, would you remember me in prayer? I want to receive or rededicate my life. I want to refill my vessel so that I am spiritually ready for when the bridegroom comes. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed, no one's looking around. If you want me to remember you in prayer, lift your hand up all over the building. And just keep it there because I want everybody to come in agreement. I see that hand, 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 that hand. That hand, 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 that hand. Just keep them up. That hand, 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 that hand. Keep them up. That, 
and that hand, 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 that hand. Just keep them up. That hand, 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 that hand. Give them a great big clap offering. Before we close in prayer, and I have a word for a couple people. Let me tell you something. Serving God is not like an emergency box. Oh, a house is on fire. We go pull it and the sprinklers come on. That's not serving God. When, when I was saying, I see that hand, that hand, that hand. I know there are people here that you are, well, man, I, I, that scares me. I better be right with God. It's supposed to scare you. It's supposed to scare you. That's, that's the reason for the birth pangs. You know, you start feeling the birth pangs, you don't go, I think I'll put a pizza in the oven. <laughs> no, the one that's in the oven's about to come out. <laughs> right? That's what this is all about, to make it serious. But let's say it's false labor. The corona, the riding in the streets... Biden doesn't get elected. It's fault. Let's say it's false labor. Well, what good does it do? Well, what if we all of a sudden walked into the hospital room, Luke and Jen, Lion, seven months old, Tiz and I, Anna, Brandon, Katie, the doctor, the nurses, the chaplain walk in. And they said, we've got some terrible news. Lion has a very rare form of leukemia. Wait, 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 wait. I got to get my oil full. Our vessels were still full. And that's what happens with so many of you. You hear something. I'm leaving you. Oh, I better get my, oh God, please. So many times it's, it's too late to try to get your vessel full. See, serving God is not just about getting to heaven. Serving God is thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? Sitting in the waiting room eight hours while Tiz is in surgery. The surgeon comes down and says, Tiz was full of cancer. We had to take out seven of her organs. We'll start her on... She'll feel like she's been run over by a truck. We sit in his office. He says, we'll begin treatments. If it doesn't work, we have a drug that may give you a year. But three months. Oh, please, Lord, fill my vessel. No, our vessels were full. Not that we're perfect. Not that we're perfect. I'm perfect. Tiz wasn't perfect, but... Not that we're perfect, but we're serving God. And not just because we're a pastor. There's a lot of pastors that are hearing the wake-up call and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm serving God here, but I'm not serving God at home. There's a lot of that going on. That's why the judgment starts. So, so getting right with God, let's say it's false labor and the, the Messiah doesn't come for, until next year or five years. or It's going to come in my lifetime. 
He's going to come in my lifetime. And, and I'm, you know, I have a birthday November 15th. <laughs> November 15th. He's coming in my lifetime. When, he, when the Antichrist is on the throne in Jerusalem, that's not a time to get your, try to get your oil filled because there's no oil left. It's gone. It's gone. When the Messiah comes, the oil's gone. The, the Holy Spirit's gone. Nothing but evil. But even until then, your marriage, your home, your family, your children, your job, your business, how many times have you said, oh, God, they're laying everybody off at work. God, please help me. He says, your vessel's empty. Why call me Lord, have a vessel, and don't do what I say? He has nothing but great for us. Nothing but good. Let's serve him with all of our hearts. Amen. Carrie, God gave me a word for you the other day. And God said to release on you an anointing. There is going to be an increased sensitivity to hearing the voice of God. I was praying. It came from just out of nowhere. And I saw you. And God said, release on her the next time you see her. And increase sensitivity to hearing the voice of God. That's because the gifts of the Spirit, it's, it's the bud, the, the, the dirt is starting to push up because that bud of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit is about to spring forth and it's going to be powerful. Amen. You receive that? Give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. Sweetheart, there's a door about to open up for you. It's going to be a door that's going to be a a, a door that swings two ways. It's going to be a political door, and it's going to be a spiritual door. In your your love for God, Jesus, and your love for Israel is going to be part of that. Wait patiently. Keep your eyes open. But it's going to be a door that once that swings open, it's never going to swing shut. And it's going to have an effect. You're so quiet, you're so calm, but it's going to have an effect that is beyond anything you can imagine. Watch when this door opens up. Matter of fact, God told me that I was going to get to be a part of it. I don't know how, but I'm going to get to be a part of that door opening up for you. So you watch when this happens. Amen. I, I, I very seldom give my family a word, but Katie... Joy beyond anything you ever imagined is about to happen. It is being prepared for you at this very moment. It's, 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 I think I know what it's involved with, but as I say that, God says, no, you know a bit of it, but it is exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask or think. And it is going to be so wonderful that we will say we will say over and over again for the rest of your life this is why we waited till now the joy is going to be beyond words somebody give the lord a, lord a cap clap over <coughs> you love the lord who has a prayer need who has a prayer need let's go before the lord this is the day the next week i'm going to show you the party's already begun Sweetheart, right here in the white blouse, right, no, next to you, right there, right there.
there is, as, as I, getting ready to close, I looked at your face, and I saw like a shadow lifting off of you. And I saw the light of God. I saw God's hand above you. And forgive me when I say I saw, this is the way I do things. I saw the light of God's hand shining on you. And God said, you fought some battles. You've gone through some things. You feel weary. But I'm about to lift that veil and reveal to you my presence, my light, and my anointing in ways that you have never known before. Look at me. And I say this all the time, but I'm saying this from God to you. Your best is yet to come. Your best. You have battled and battled and battled. God is removing you from the battle and taking you into the winner circle. Your best really is yet. Does that make sense to you? Would you all give the Lord a clap offering? I know I'm over. I have to go. I'm going to the cowboy game. Believing for a miracle. Get your vessel full, right? Let's lift up our hands. Let's say this all together. Say this out loud. Say, Father, I come to you right now in the name of Jesus. I know I've sinned. We've all sinned. But I know this. You love me so much. You paid the price in full for all my sin. Right now, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Father, I ask you, fill my vessel with the anointing and the presence of God in my life, my home, my family, and my finances. And I declare, me and my family, we will serve the Lord. How many are ready for the coming of the Messiah and the blessing of God? Give the Lord a great big clap over him. Is, is Wonderson, I'm closing off. All right, now listen to me. I'm, I didn't know I was closing off, so I have to make something up. That gives me an opportunity to say something I didn't say. We just finished the Feast of Tabernacles first fruit offering. It's over. The window of heaven. But we are in what the Bible it's a 30-day grace period. If you remember, they came to Moses. They've just learned about all this. They came to Moses and said, listen, we're off tending bodies. We weren't allowed to come and bring the offering. Why should we miss out on this offering? Now, understand how they looked at the offering. It's not like, oh, it's offering time. They go, hey, we want to give. Because they knew in this offering, the windows of heaven opened up. So Moses said, I don't know either. Let me go before God. And God said, there's a 30-day grace period. Maybe their wagon broke down. Maybe they got ill. Maybe they couldn't make it. Maybe the rivers were flooding. Whatever reason is, God wants us blessed so much. Listen to me. If you have not given your first fruit, Feast of Tabernacle offering, we have about three and a half weeks left. Something great is about to be birthed. I think God's going to give us a little more time before the Messiah. At least another year, another two years, maybe another four years. Another four years. November, four years. Not November 15th, my birthday. But there's no coincidence. Anyway, get involved with the first fruit. 
Ask God what to do because I believe, I believe the window of heaven's opening up and won't close until we see the coming of the Messiah. 